Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Jesusu Christo. There you will go off to the river of fire. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So this week coming up is Cheese Fair Week. So we no longer, starting Monday, we no longer eat meat until a Holy Saturday or, or Easter Sunday, usually Easter Sunday. That's the monastic fast. Uh, for the lay people, this week you do not eat meat on Wednesday and Friday. You're getting ready for the great fast. So you eat uh, cheese this week, and then following Monday, we begin, begin Great Lent in the Byzantine Rite. And in the Roman Rite, I think it begins on Wednesday. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, this morning we read, we're reading now from the Trodion, which is a special book we read the offices from, the propers for the great season of Great Lent. And they talked about the river of fire. And in the gospel, we're told that the hell, or the river of fire, is, was prepared for Satan and his angels. Sometimes we forget our pentecatechism. At least we old-timers, we were trained from the Baltimore Catechism. And we trained all these things. Now, now the young people don't seem to last 40 years or so, then some don't seem to be here trained as well as we were. And of course, it was a different world in, the, in those days too. The whole world has changed. But one thing has not changed. We are sinners and we need a repentance. So I was reading a book this week in my spiritual reading, and he said in there that uh, we inherit our passions from Adam and Eve. And I always thought that was the case, that before the fall, we didn't have any passions, nor sickness, nor pain, sorrow, or mourning. But um, these things that burden us uh, are penitential to make reparation not only for our own personal sins, but for the sins of the world. So when a monk comes to the monastery and we receive him, he's coming here to do penance. So every little job he does, whatever the uh, Hargumen tells him to do, he receives that as a penance and he doesn't complain. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our lay people uh, are not in that type of spirit, and they make excuses for themselves not to keep a good Lent. So I've heard confessions where someone came in and told me, well, uh, I need a dispensation, Father. I say, you do. Uh, I, I said, why do you need a dispensation? Are you ill and the doctor wants you to do certain things? No, but I'm a business person. 
businessman or businesswoman, and I have to go to these occasions, and I have to eat the food that is presented to me. Well, there's a couple ways to look at that. I remember I went to a very fancy dinner in Seattle with the patriarch of the Malkites. We were very good friends in those days. And so I'm very good friends with the Malkite bishop also, the new one. And we mentioned that before to you, that we tied some for the poor to the Malkites because the people in Lebanon and all those places are literally starving to death. They have nothing to eat. It's a sad world we live in. And uh, so I always tie it to those people because, and sometimes I tie it to the cloistered nuns to make sure they have something for Christmas and for holidays. And they all too beg for their living. We all beg for our living, we monastic types. But some of us have other income, which is helpful. But uh, our neighbor, we're supposed to edify our neighbor, and they should be impressed that they probably know we're Catholics. They usually do. They should be impressed the way we, we uh, observe our Catholicism and we raise our children and things like that, that uh, we are not just like everybody in the street. So if you have to go to those parties, you can look at it this way. I can edify my neighbor by keeping the fast and eating something here that's neutral, or I can just have a drink and eat later, or I can use this excuse, well, I have to eat this because it, it's uh, my boss or somebody's providing it. Who is your boss? Who are you living your life for? And are you doing penance? So, ascesis or asceticism is a mark of the Christian life. It's very broad in the, Eastern, in the early church, the biblical church, but it seems like we, as the church expanded and grew, it seems to be giving dispensations for just about anything. Well, that's not so good. Because by doing that, even asking the church for a dispensation, you are putting yourself in jeopardy. Now, there are obviously reasons of sickness or pregnancy or things like that where you might need some extra nourishment. You can bring that up to your confessor and he can talk to you about that. But the most part, Lent is sort of ignored. But really, Lent is our preparation for heaven. The way you live is the way you die, you'll be for eternity. And so God is watching and he's asking, do you love me? And we want to love Christ, but if we don't pray and fast, we're not really following his example, which brought him even to death on the cross to keep to do the Father's will, and he died for us. But we always find little excuses not to do what we should be doing. And I know now we're in a pandemic, that doesn't mean you shouldn't fast, you know. It just means that uh, you should isolate yourself. 
But the second thing about Great Lent is we should, sometimes in the parish, I used to give out little boxes, and the money that you saved on the food you didn't buy, we collected on Good Friday, and we gave it to the poor. And there's always, like Jesus says, the poor will always be with you. And so it's just not, well, I saved money and I lost weight during Lent, don't I look gorgeous? Well, I don't think so. God wants to see the beauty of your heart where he dwells with his divine energies, his graces. So we have to look at ourselves closely in Lent and we have to take it serious as preparation for heaven. There will be a great banquet in heaven. I read this morning in the gospel how Jesus had changed when the apostles met him him on the road to Emmaus. They couldn't hardly recognize him until he allowed them to recognize him because he had a glorified body and he was absolutely gorgeous. And we're going to have a glorified body and be absolutely gorgeous if we discipline ourselves now and this fallen body, we teach it to fast and pray. Second point about prayer for this this morning, the homily in the river of fire. Actually, it says in the Bible, we should pray always. We should always be praying. So some of us learn the Jesus prayer, and during our spare moments, we say the Jesus prayer. And uh, some of us have a quite a uh, happy prayer life. So I got a letter uh, from a parishioner I had in um, Seattle. He, she's lost her husband, and she's by herself. And she says, you know, I'm so happy. Not because she lost her husband, but she stays in the house and she sings the psalms. And she plays the piano, so she set the psalms to music and she sings the psalms during the day. And I, I've oftentimes people ask me for a prayer book, I would give them the psalter, a little psalter to carry in their pocket. So during times of the day, they would say some of the psalms each day, maybe morning, evening, and uh, towards uh, afternoon, and maybe three o'clock when Jesus died on the cross. The Psalms are magnificent in power, and we got to remember that God gave us these Psalms. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're part of the books of the Bible. It's right in the center, usually, of the Bible. And if you very close attention to the Psalms, you're going to learn a lot about yourself, about the history of the church. You're going to learn how the New Testament is fulfilling these prophecies that are in the Psalms, and it's going to deepen your understanding and your love for God. Now, that's one of the things you can do. Also, if you have the time, we, we have pre-sanctified liturgy twice a week during Great Lent on Wednesday and Friday at 4.30 in the afternoon. Most people are working, but a few can come if they wish. Pre-Sanctified Liturgy is a Vesper service, and we give out uh, Holy Communion at the Pre-Sanctified Liturgy. And it typifies our Lenten observance. So 
In the monastic church, we don't celebrate the Eucharist during Lent on weekdays, just Saturday and Sunday or feast day. Uh, we give out Holy Communion from the reserve gifts which are consecrated on Sunday. And uh, because the Eucharistic prayer is always a resurrection prayer, it's not a sorrowful prayer, it's a rejoicing in the resurrection of the Lord. Now, the other things we can do about Lent is, uh, has to do with our neighbor. Um, when I was a youngster in high school and grade school and things like that, we lived in a, a, a Slav community. And very often, we were different, pe different kinds of people. Some were Russians, some were Poles, some were Slovaks, uh, different ones, uh, Ukrainians. But we had a common language we spoke, and it was a Slavic language in addition to English. And uh, one of the things that was sort of wonderful is that the majority of the people were Catholics. And so I was growing up in a time when I thought everybody was a Catholic. And I finally found out how some were dawned on me that not all people are Catholic. And I think to myself, how sad that they don't have the feast days, they don't have Lent, they don't have the great celebrations. So one of the things, if you don't fast during Lent, then Easter comes and you have your Easter food, and we usually bless that, bless that in the church, the blessed are. And then what's the use of having Easter food if you're not fast in preparation for the feast? So this is really a feast. So. So you have to think about that. And we have traditional things that we eat uh, from, our, from the Slav tradition on those holidays. And all my life, I remember the preparations for the feast, the baking of bread, Pascha, the Easter bread, the special food preparation, digging horseradish and making hreen, which is a horseradish preparation the kobasi, the ham, the eggs. We didn't eat dairy products. Uh, now, we do eat dairy products on the weekend, but not at other times. That's monastic. But you should, at least Wednesday and Friday, keep the fast and un spiff up your prayer life. So that, now there's another thing you should do. Is, um, I was reading St. John. The, the gospel. He, John, is a real mystic. The epistle, I mean, the epistles are the teachings of the apostles, like Paul. He writes a letter to Timothy and shapes Timothy up. There's two letters to Timothy, short things. And uh, the evangelists are the ones that gave us the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But John is very special. It's mystical. It talks about the, the relationship of the people to the Trinity and the relationship of our Lord and the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. And chapters uh, around 14 and 15 of John is the priestly prayer of Jesus Christ for us. And we, we should really be very familiar with Scripture. Now, what will happen? So I was uh, reading, uh, I do a lot of reading too in 
apocalypse because it's very mystical and revelatory, very prophetic, but not in the ways people treat it. It's sort of, people think it's going to tell us when the world's going to end and all that stuff. Well, Jesus told us only the Father knows, and that's got to be good for, for us. We probably won't be around when the, father, the world ends. Some will be. But we will get up facing the east, and we'll be there at the last judgment. And we're hopeful that we'll make the grade, that we'll go to the great heavenly banquet forever. And uh, that depends upon how we live now, how we do our pilgrimage here on earth, you know, how we glorify ourselves through prayer and fasting and almsgiving uh, for a heavenly kingdom. So I, I found out, you know, in the seminary, we studied scripture pretty thoroughly, sort of in an academic way. But uh, through life, I found out that if you pray with scripture, God will give you revelations. And they're beautiful. And he'll teach you things. And one of the things that's beautiful, I thought, was I was doing a book of Apocalypse, and uh, they have, in, in about the seventh chapter, they have a beautiful description of the heavenly Lord, Jesus Christ. Beautiful. He's white as snow. His eyes are bright. His hair is white. He is shiny. And there's a couple of places in the Bible that talk about the heavenly Lord. And that's what the apostles could not recognize because he had already been glorified in heaven in his human body when he had risen. And we look forward to, to glorification. We all participate in that glorification, which is the Lord's. So I used to tease um, people. I'd say, well, wait till you get to heaven and see those people you loved and how gorgeous they are. And you're going to say, I never knew that. I never knew how holy they were. I never knew that they were really preparing for heaven. A magnificent. So John, uh, in a few months, will have a, a, an icon in the narthex of the Last Judgment. It's the book of the Apocalypse icon of the Last Judgment. And you'll like it because well, it's very slab. So you're going to like it or I'll beat you up. No, I won't do that. But anyway, uh, it's going to be very magnificent to see on the back wall of uh, coming in before you enter the temple. But I think about the Last Judgment. As I know, I just buried Father Frank. I buried my mother and my father. Many people I've loved have buried. They were fine until about six months before they died, and they got sick. And uh, they gradually got sicker and sicker, and they left us. And uh, it's quite a revelation to see a grown man, the picture of health, and all of a sudden the priest is called, he goes to the house, and he anoints him, and he gives him Holy Communion. And over the course of those six months or so, he falls asleep in the Lord, and he sort of shrinks. 
but not in my estimation. So on one occasion, I, I had a fellow I was working with, and he had been raised uh, Roman Catholic, but he joined our church because he had personal reasons why he joined our church. He liked the beauty of the church. And uh, so the last time I saw him alive, I went to visit him in the hospital, and, and it was in the afternoon, and they were getting ready to send him home. So they had him packed up there on a stretcher to take to the ambulance to go home. And so anyway, um, he, I was walking out. I would just given him the sacraments. He says to me, Father, I thank you for the good way you took care of me and how the Byzantine church, how they take care of their people. I thought to myself, well, it's my duty. I was embarrassed a little bit. I said, it's my duty. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm a priest, is to do these things, you know. So, so by the time I got home, they took him home, and he died at home right that afternoon. And I had the funeral. And uh, he still was a young man. But he had gone home to the Lord. And I figure he received Holy Communion just before he died, so he probably went straight to heaven. That's a good thing to do if you can. But let us live our lives preparing for the journey. And let our life be part of that journey through prayer and fasting and generosity to others. And always remember the example you have to set is for Jesus Christ, not for somebody else. He's your Lord and your Master. He's your King, it said. He sits on the throne today in heaven. He's your king. And it's not enough to say to Jesus Christ, I love you. Show him that you love him by your good works and your good deeds. And you're suffering with one another and even uh, pro problem, physical problems. Because we know we have a broken body anyway. It's fallen. But if we can use that body to praise God, to ensure our entrance into the heavenly kingdom, all the better. He's given us this opportunity. Everybody will die. But some will have a happy death and some will not. So they catered to their passions. They didn't struggle to live a holy life. They didn't struggle to take close to our Lord in his holy sacramental liturgy. They did not take Lent serious. They did the minimal. So uh, Bishop Kurt, he put the regulations in for the lay people in his newspaper, Eastern Catholic Life. And uh, he put down the regulations that the hierarchs had agreed upon the minimal, I call them the minimal regulations, and he put a note at the bottom, I hope you're doing more than this. And I repeat that sentiment. For Lent, do more, not less. And learn to love God by doing his will. You love God, Jesus says, if you keep my commandment. You love God as you follow his example, which was a life 
of prayer, fasting, and healing to his people. Jesus so much loved you that he died on the cross for your salvation, and from his side claimed water and blood, the signs of the sacraments and the birth of the church. And the church is those people who are baptized, chrismated, and receive the body in the Lord. And they do it worthily because they're always leading a prayerful life to make them worthy as they can be, each is difficult to receive these holy gifts. I think that uh, we're not what we used to be in America. We're better off in the immigrant churches where everybody had been trained in Europe and they were, they were pretty, very, very faithful. And uh, I learned from them and from those older priests. And I used to see Father Udacek every day. He'd be walking up and down in the grotto to Our Lady of Fatima saying his rosary. And he was also so kind to me. And uh, he's laying in the cemetery now, St. Joseph's Cemetery in Yonkers. But he was such a good example of a priest. And uh, maybe he was my inspiration. But when God calls you to a special vocation, he does it in your heart. And he gives you those holy desires, and we should follow them. You are called to holy vacation to be a prayer, a faster, a lover of your neighbor, an example to all of us. So when the priest has to bury you, finally your mortal remains, and we should bury our people, not burn them up. That's not right. We do it, but it's not right. I don't like that. Because it says in Scripture we're going to stand up again. But God's going to have to <laughs> collect all that ashes and try to get us back together. I take that pretty literally. And so treat your body so it will be beautiful in the resurrection. And treat your soul that dwells in your heart to be fed on the Word of God and the grace of the Eucharist. And treat your neighbor as though you wish the him to have the same. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.